Remember at the time when we used to be kids and we used to be whispering like, hey, don't you know <laughs> that we supposed to be? Cut that. Be like, cut that whispering <laughs> out. He used to be like, yo, he used to say whispering of the devil. <laughs> you say anytime you're whispering, that's the devil. He said, make sure you talk a little louder so we can hear you. Hmm. Every time. Even when so you if you have something to share, let the entire class hear it. morning to all of our listeners this is the truth of the matter is episode number 13 we want you to know and yet understand that society has many of us in fear however if one is expressing the truth they will be attacked and belittled because of that truth but i Daniel, speaking for myself and my brother Jonathan, declare that the only truth that is worth sharing and spreading is God's, because we believe that all truth is God's truth. Now on that note, welcome. We want to say thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate your dedication as loyal listeners, and a warm welcome to all of our new listeners. And yes, we appreciate your devotion to us, and we want to make sure that we continue along the path of providing solid, thoughtful, and encouraging supportive biblical perspective. Speaking of supportive and encouraging, how are you, my man? You know, I'm doing all right. You know, fine as usual. I'm just feeling mellow. You know, right down the middle. Not too high, nor am I too low. How about you? Uh, I feel like killing over. <laughs> this COVID <laughs> vaccine is it's kicking oh, my behind I'm today. Vaccinated. Yeah, I uh, got the little Pfizer version, so I got another shot to go after this. You know, what I heard was, oh, it's really the second one that's going to mess you up. But I'm thinking this first one is already doing its justice on me as it is. So hmm. I'm scrapping with it. Okay. At some point, I will begin mine. Not looking forward to it. I hate needles, by the way. Hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. It's not Speaking for me. of needles, I'm sitting in the back waiting to receive my COVID vaccine. And the lady just, it's like she was doing a rush job. She's just, you know, we come in with this no conversation. You know, a doctor asks you, well, how are you today? How are you feeling? None of that. <laughs> it was just, just sat me down in a chair. Starts prepping the needle, lift your shirt, sticks the thing in my arm, and I'm not even ready for it. Mm. Are you sure she stuck it in the right place? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that. Uh, and I know where my shoulder is, you know. <laughs> that, yeah. that I'm sure of. So, yeah, that's, uh, this is not a warm, welcome experience. Yeah, no. one other thing, too. I was working yesterday, and I noticed when I stepped in a few restaurants, they asked for that card. Oh yeah, vaccine card. <laughs> it's that real thing. Like, yo, where's your card at? You're not out in. Goodbye. You know that's what it's looking like now. So, yep. you see, if we was in a place like Florida, no, no slight to our Florida listeners, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> you to don't worry about you. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, um, yeah, what do you have for us today, you know? I think it's going to be an amazing discussion. I, I really do. Really? Yep. Is that I, the case? Yep, absolutely. I am 100% sure it's going to be something positive that we could take out of it. That's how it, it always is on the truth of the matter is, right? Something? Just a little something, something. You know? That's subjective. No, I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> that it is, my friend. That it is. Well... Yeah. Well, again, gaze aside. I think one thing you you've always done a good job at saying is, "Hey, this is a perspective. You don't have to agree with it, but it is a perspective. You are being exposed to a perspective. You're allowed to take it for what it is, or you can go home and do whatever you want with it." I remember one of my coaches in college would say, "You can, you can." What he used to say? He used to say, you can pout like a dog if you want to. <laughs> In other words, <laughs> are you going to pout and complain or are you going to make adjustments so you can do something else? Are you going to, you know, look at your circumstance and make something positive out of it? Keep going. That's that's life. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Don't get stuck. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. You know? Yeah. Shout out to Coach. Encouraging yeah. people to get after it and not be complacent. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't think we should keep them held up anymore from something amazing. So why don't you lead us in some prayer? Yep. Okay. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this very day, and yet we are hopeful for many more. For this specific day, we ask that you open our eyes ears, heart, and mind to understand your purpose for coming into the world, and that was on our behalf. We ask that you open up our understanding to see that you want relationship, not religion. Let me repeat that. We ask that you open up our understanding to see that you want relationship, not religion. We ask for insight and seek your stewardship. Provide us with peace of mind. And give us a aha moment. We say this to our Heavenly Father with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, okay, so me being on the board, mm -hmm. the panel, uh, <laughs> this one was different than usual. You know, we judge... We does the we do rate prayers over here. Mm -hmm. We have no true scale whether it's five stars or out of ten. But okay, I am the judge and juror, and I have to say it was interesting today. Okay, I don't know how the man of feel the man upstairs feels, but um, well, what was with the tone? Is it's different than usual. Well, today I'm aiming to show people that God can relate to us. Yeah, I didn't stutter. He can relate to us. And that is done through the life. And man, that is Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you that we are more alike than you think. Yeah, we are more alike than you think. So the prayer was designed to let the Holy Spirit in and give us understanding from an emotional perspective. I believe the issue sometimes is that we lack connection. Without a similar situational experience, you know, we don't, 
understand one another. You know, I'm speaking in reference to one another and I'm also speaking in reference with God. So we're going to start with the book of Luke chapter two, verses one through eight. Take it away, Daniel. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornelius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped them in cloths and placed them in a manager, because there was no guest room available for them, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now to put things in proper historical perspectives, perspective, here's a few things to keep in mind. This is something that I did a little research on and read some, you know, books here and there, commentators about what was going on at that time. So in Jewish culture, most women were engaged at the age of 13. Yep, 13. And married at the age of 14. Mary, however, was married at the age of 15. According to the standard today, you know, that's very young. But again, this is the impact of culture. And, you know, I've been consistent in saying that God doesn't and hasn't changed culture. But he's found a way to operate within the culture to still fulfill his perfect and purposeful will. Joseph, on the other hand, was 19 years old and had his own business as a carpenter. Now, at that time, it wasn't much of a business in being a carpenter. In fact, it was a poor choice because of the rich priests. They were able, however, might have been able to afford a house with wood, but most of the people used the substance only to decorate the interior, you know, inside. The houses, however, were built of stone instead. Now, another interesting thing is that Jewish culture, there were no chairs. Yep, they didn't sit in chairs because technically only rich Jews sat to eat. And they had learned that from traveling Greeks. Joseph's home was the size of a storefront, right? He had two rooms, a shop where he worked and did most of the things in carpentry. And the other places where they slept, which still wasn't much. So, you know, when you fast forward and you think about Mary and Joseph, right? They left for the city of David. And, you know, they experienced some serious fatigue, right? 20 miles to be exact. It took them to get to the next city. And it took them about five days, actually. So imagine, right? No Lyft, no Uber, no MTA. Pretty rough, right? Everything at that time was by foot. Once they got to the city, there was no place for them to stay. Everything was booked. And mind you, mm-hmm. that's a pregnant lady that you're sitting down with and walking with for 20 miles. Yeah, that's tough. 
And what's yeah. amazing to me, like when I read this text, is that you realize a lot of the complaining that's done now, man, I'm pretty sure they were complaining then, but it has nothing. It can't even touch what was going on at that time. So, you know, we might be viewed as complainers. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Because back then, it was rough. You had some tough individuals handling things. So, again, you know, now imagine traveling for such a long way to find out there was no place for your wife to give birth, right? The setting was that there was a multitude of people sleeping inside roads in front and behind the establishment. I can only imagine the stress, or like people say now, the mental health struggle, right? For Joseph <laughs> at that time, trying to find something that had a bit of privacy, right? I had to toss that in there because that's, that's really what it is now. Now, I mention this because Jesus wasn't born in the greatest conditions. And guess what? Many of us weren't born in places with the greatest conditions either. Mary and Joseph were parents with no experience. They had no clue what to expect. They were young. They were young parents giving birth to a kid. You know? And they didn't know what to expect. Now think about what's going on now. There are young parents giving birth to kids with similar conditions, believing they cannot manage and take care of their kids. Right? Which is why they result to foster care. Which is why they give up. Right? The issue is, is the fear of the circumstance that most people that come into that had us believing that things are going to fail. Most of us believe that situations like that are doomed to fail. So keep in mind, you know, while reading this text that Jesus was born in a major, he came into the world and was subject to terrible circumstances along with elements of poverty. Now, I hope everyone is really visualizing and processing that this was a personal experience that he had to go through. His parents basically lived in a storefront with little to nothing. Now, I want us to remember that the way God chose to enter the world, I think, is unique. And I honestly don't think it was a coincidence. I think it was by design. And I believe he wants us to understand that no matter how you start, it's how you finish. Again, no matter how you start, it's how you finish. It's how you make the best of what you have. It's really not about excuses. And I believe we were created for a purpose, and that was to be great. Now, there are plenty of worldly examples of individuals, especially in the NBA and the NFL, who grew up in poverty, who grew up with their mother, who had little to nothing. In fact, that is what pushed them to be great. That is what allowed them to reach levels and heights where they say to themselves, I will not allow my mom, I will not allow my dad to live in these circumstances. However, I will change the way we live through using just a basketball or a football. And that pushes you to be more than conquerors. In fact, you know, God loves us so much and means so much. We mean so much to him. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking of a text that does a really good job of capturing this. And I'm thinking of Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. And this is what Paul says. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who do not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will we not also along with him 
graciousness, give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Again, who is also interceding for us, interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me repeat that. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers beneath, neither high nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's another way that Jesus can relate to us. So, Daniel, would you mind reading the book of Matthew? Chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled with what the Lord has said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under. In accordance with the time, he had learned from the Magi. Then, what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called and Nazarene. So what's so relatable in this text is that Jesus migrated. So far, those who have moved from place to place. Maybe you were a foster child. Maybe your parents were military. Maybe you're an immigrant looking for opportunity. Jesus as a child went through a similar experience. He moved in a different location for protection. 
He didn't stay in one place. He was exposed to a new environment. Moving around isn't always best, right? Thing, but sometimes what enables you to dream bigger has a lot to do with your exposure. Now, we don't know the particular details as to why Egypt and what he learned, but I believe it had a positive impact on him. And I think skin complexion takes in consideration because he and his he and his family were able to fit well. They actually fit right in. Oh, you know, crossing dangerous territory with that one. I know, but the reality <laughs> is you don't just enter a location and them not having questions about who you are and and in fact being able to merge in a group of people and not be out it I would believe you look similar to the people that were there. That's all I'm going to say on that note, Daniel. I By the way, Jesus mm-hmm. is not white. Hollywood has done some terrible things to some of you. Jesus is not white. He couldn't have been. We shall continue. Let's look at the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 39 through 52. Daniel? When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So as you can see, Jesus went through a process of growth and development just like us. He grew up day by day, learning and developing underneath his parents' rule and regulation. He was a student who studied the law and developed favor with man and God. The text also said he was obedient to them. You know, how hypocritical would it have been if God asked us to obey our parents, but Jesus didn't? 
We can relate to Jesus because as children, we grew up doing the same thing, growing up in maturity and learning what to do and what not to do. So far, Jesus has been where we are and we're knowing that we know that he has handled it really well, right? We're knowing that so far, based upon what was documented and written in the Gospels, he's handled it pretty well. Now, I know this seems, you know, simple. But I know sometimes simple is good and necessary, right? Jesus is our example. You know, in the book of 1 John, which we just finished going over, chapter 2, verses 5 through 6 reads, and it says clearly, If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Again, that's the example that was set. I want to close things with one more major text, and that is in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Now, before we proceed to that, this is a very detailed text, and there's a lot of benefits that you're going to get out of it because I'm going to break it down and fine tune it. And I hope that you're realizing that God is much more relatable to us through Jesus Christ than you think. He's been in similar situations. And some of us, when we go through these things, we're like saying to ourselves, you know, you know, how can he expect us to handle this? How can he expect me to be great? Look at what I'm dealing with. Look at the hand that I'm dealt, you know, and I want you to know that it's fine. It's okay that you can still make something of yourself. So. Again, Daniel, book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Great job, Daniel, reading that. Really good job. So a few things to break down here. Notice the text says in the beginning, He was led by the Holy Spirit. Now that's a conversation in itself. Because being led by the power of the Holy Spirit to do something can be pleasant but also unpleasant, 
again. <laughs> it can be pleasant, but also unpleasant. Now, here's how we can relate to Jesus once again. In life, we are going to be tested. That's just the way of life. During test time, what gets revealed is how good of a student you were and how good of a student you are now. Have you been studying yourself approved? Have you been engrossing in the process of improvement? We have all gone through the school system. We all understand that we can't go to the next level until we are being tested. It's part of the process to measure your progress. Jesus had been learning and growing in wisdom and understanding since he was young until now. He then had to be tested, right? And he had to be tested for ministry. What you see here is Jesus being tempted in three ways. And I want you to hear me carefully, right? Because I'm going to bring something that maybe after reading this text, you probably didn't notice that was here. He was tempted with economic power. He was tempted with political power. And he was tempted with religious power. Now, I know you might be saying, why do you say economic, political, and religious power? I'm just trying to bring you up in your thinking and how you can view this text. So let's define economics, right? Economics is justified in terms of profitability, right? Which means there's a desire for profit making and money making. Now, let's go back to the biblical text, beginning at verse 3. Daniel? The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, this means to create an opportunity in which you can profit off your miracles. Turn this situation into a lucrative opportunity. So imagine Jesus performing miracles and reaping financial benefit from it. If he turned enough stones into bread, well, he can create a business and print money in those days. One of the reasons I encourage people to read the Bible is because if you pay close attention here, Jesus does what when the devil tempts him, Daniel? He turned him down? No, he's quoting scripture. Oh. Yeah, he's quoting scripture. All that is happening here is that Jesus is quoting scripture. And as followers in Jesus, we follow in the footsteps by imitating him. Now, to be accurate, he's actually quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And I read it. He says, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and test you in order to know that what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his command. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding with the manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, let's move to the next portion of how he was tempted, right? Let's look at the political power element, right? Political power is like the captivity of an individual to influence the actions, belief, or conduct, and or behavior of others. 
The term authority is often used for power that is perceived as legitimate for the societal structure. Again, the term authority is often used for power that is perceived as legitimate by the social structure. Now let's go back to the biblical text. Daniel, would you mind reading verse 5? The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. So the temptation here is you can have all that you want politically as a ruler, and that you want. And all that the devil wants in return is to acknowledge him and as king and to bow down to him, which has a religious, some religious implications. But at the base of it is influenced by society and who cause the moves that can ultimately impact the people and the way of their life. So that's the reason why he's tempted politically, because putting in a position of power and influence. You can dictate and lead people and ultimately controlling the society and the influencement by that. That's changing people's way of life. You know, in verse eight, Jesus answered it and it was written. He says, worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. Now, Jesus is quoting again, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse 13, where it says, fear the Lord, your God and serve him only and take your oath in his name. Lastly, it's religious power, which is the excerpt of power that cannot be proven or defined by way of scientific means, but defiles the rules in which we understand the way things work. The biblical text here in verse 9 to 11 says what, Daniel? The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But basically the devil here is mocking Jesus, right? And he's trying to encourage him to use his power irresponsibly. Interesting enough, when you look at this passage where Jesus is on the cross, Actually, when you think about it, there's a passage that says that while Jesus is on the cross, Jesus in the garden, he experienced something similar to this, right? And I'm going to take it to you and show you. Like, think in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 52 to 53, he says, put your sword away, right? So he's talking to Peter at the time when Jesus is getting arrested. Peter is trying to defend him, not letting the guards arrest him, right? He says, put your sword away. Put it back in its place, Jesus said to him. And he's speaking to Peter. For all who draw the sword will buy will die by the sword. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? So twelve legions of angels is about seventy-two thousand angels. He says, well, how then would the scripture be fulfilled that says it must happen in this way? Another text that I'm thinking about is the one where the thief challenges Jesus. 
and says, if you're the Messiah, save yourself and us. I believe that was the devil because it comes off very similar to this text in that he's trying to tell him that if you are, not that you are, but if you are the son of God, do this. And that's a very conniving way to try to manipulate somebody to do something. So, verse 12, right? Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your Lord of God to the test. Now, he's quoting Deuteronomy again. So, all that he's quoting is from the book of Deuteronomy. And he's using chapter 6, verse 16. He says, you must not test the Lord your God as you did when you were complaining at Messiah. Or Massa. So, two biblical verses I want to leave you with that sum up all that we talked about today. I want to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And this is a very important scripture, so I want you to listen carefully. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus did, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross and then finally there's something that I want Daniel to read Hebrews chapter 4 Verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So in closing, I want people to see that God, through the Son, Jesus Christ, can relate to us more than you think. He's been there and he's done that. If there was one thing I hated in high school and college was a coach or a trainer telling me what to do, not motivating me by being next to me and working hard just as much as I did I was but I can see that when a person does decide to do something like that and take it personal to work hard with me it pushes me and it makes me be the best person that I could be right so I ask people please lead by example you will see a spike in interest from people if that is something that you did why it's important to know that someone is in the trenches with you and knows what the struggle is and knows what it's like to work hard, what it's like to sweat, what it's like to put in your best effort, your best foot forward. And I hope that with what I've said today, it showed you that things that you're going through now, things that you've been going through in life. Remember, Jesus came down here and I love it when he says at the end of first John, when he says he came so that he can show us or introduce us to what is true. I'm paraphrasing here. He came to provide an example. He came 
to introduce us to him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He was the example. He came here to provide understanding. And now that we've been prov provided understanding, we now have something to go off of. So, as we've done the previous two weeks, let's end with a devotion. So, on the topic of God, I think I just want to speak to you from the standpoint that the Son of God is fully human. Now, a verse I didn't use and I'm going to use here is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. So, remember, when you're doing the devotion, what, are, what is a devotion? Devotion could be anywhere from three to five minutes. One minute is focused on a scripture that you're meditating on. The second minute is a short devotion that you're saying to yourself after reading the verse. And the third minute is a one minute of a conversation that jump starts a conversation with God. So for me, I'm going to focus on Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. And it says, for this reason, and they're talking about Jesus here, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. So to me, it's quite astonishing how many misconceptions people have about the Bible, about God, and specifically about Jesus Christ. Don't assume that your unsaved friends understand that Jesus is eternal, that as God's son, he has existed for all of eternity past. There was no point at which he did not exist. So I'll take you back to the book of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word. Which was Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was was God. The Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word. He was with God and He was God. So yet I want you to know that many people think that Jesus was created at conception and Mary's moon. That Jesus was created at conception and Mary's womb. But there not realizing that that's merely just a representation that the point that he went from being fully God to being human. So he went from being fully God to being fully God and human. Sometimes we, it can be hard to imagine that Jesus spends nine months trapped before birth, let alone spending years trapped as an infant, toddler, child, old child, young man, and fully fledged adult before starting his public ministry, which says in scripture at the age of 30. Yet Jesus Christ didn't become barely human. Instead, he became and is for all eternity will be fully God and fully human. That's why God understands. That's why God knows what your situation is. That's why God knows what's happening. He's been there. He's done that. He's been insulted. He's been lied on. He's dealt with all those things that you deal with on a personal level. He's been tempted. He's overcome it. That's the reason why we can come to him, because we know that no matter how much he was tempted, he did not sin. And I think that's something when I would want to pray to. So in closing, here's my prayer. Here's my prayer. Father, thank you, Jesus that through you, even though you existed as God before time began, you took on limited flesh and became a man. Thank you for doing this for my sake. 
thank you for doing this for my sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.